Welcome to the Evolution Exchange NHS podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today to discuss digital transformation within the NHS. My name's Rose. I work on the NHS team here at Evolution. I'm working specifically with several NHS ICSs, ICBs, AHSNs and free government bodies as well. The goal is to help those organisations realise their true potential towards better patient care. And this is done through digital technology and innovation. So that's me. Uh, Andrew, would you like to introduce yourself first, please? Yeah, my name is Andrew Carter. I'm uh, Head of IT and Assurance within the Greater Manchester Integrated Care, but uh, specifically in the Berry locality. Thank you for that. Adnain, are you able to go next for us? Sure. Adnan Akartek, Head of Enterprise Architects and Innovation for UKHSA. Mark, how about you? Uh, morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Mark Singleton. I'm Associate Director for Data Analytics and Assurance at Rattington, Wigan and Lee. NHS Foundation Trust, but I'm also the uh, chair of the Greater Manchester Chief Data Officers Group. So, hello. And finally, Kush. Hi, I'm Kush Sharma. I'm the uh, Digital Diagnostics Transformation Manager, uh, working with Northwestern ICS at this particular moment. Brilliant. Um, and Andrew, I'll come back to you to find out what you're most passionate about. What is it that you're most passionate about within your role? So, I think um, with everything uh, healthcare related since I've been in the NHS, my, my passion has always been um, working in an environment that helps people and being part of something that is is the greater good. I think there's no better feeling than working in you know a, a role that can provide benefit to to citizens of uh, of the places where we, we live and we we're close to. So I just, I think it's really good to be involved in in NHS and I've always been in the NHS and that I, I hopefully will continue my career in the NHS. Love that. Thank you so much, Adnane. Coming back to you to hear, hear from you. Yeah, thank you. So uh, my my patient is essentially around uh, driving uh, change, digital transformation, uh, and 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 let's say. Um, doing this in a context where we contribute also to the greater good of, of kind of protecting people. So you can just say is an agency working essentially in the health protection uh, side. Uh, and, and it's a it's a pleasure to an honor to, to, to do that in, in this context. So that, that's me. Lovely. Thank you. Uh, and Mark, what are you most passionate about? I think uh, similar to, to Andrew, I suppose, we, you know, we all have family and friends that, that use uh, NHS services. We want to make sure that you know those um, and all our patients receive the sort of the best possible care. Um, I, I love technology. I, you know, I uh, frequently sort of watch its evolution, um, and it's great to see you know where, where it's coming, and, and really sort of great to great to then see sort of uh, you know how the technology can use uh, technology, how it can embrace technology to support patient care, to you know to. Um, help the clinicians on the front line do their job but but hopefully a lot easier than than uh, it would have been otherwise uh, without it so yeah being able to see how technology can be used on the front line to uh, uh, to to best care for our patients i think is is the reason that i get out of bed each morning excellent thanks mark and kush will finish with you in your passions yes i mean i i, I can just quickly say that all the above uh, <laughs> as mentioned by andrew adnan and uh, mark but honestly, I mean, um, as as Mark has uh, mentioned about the technology, and I mean, definitely, I mean, NHS is uh, one of the flag bearers of how public, uh, how how inclusive and public healthcare should be provided, and that is one of the biggest, um, uh, what's it like, the the motivation for me particularly coming. I mean, specifically from uh, when I'm looking at where I'm coming from, from a country that doesn't have a really good. Uh, public healthcare uh, facility. So that is uh, just quite eye-opening. 
And while working here for the last, uh, I would say close to seven years now with NHS, I have learned that yes, I mean there, uh, I mean it is definitely a flag bearer of that uh, of public health service NHS is, but how we can make it even better, how we can make it uh, close to the best public uh, healthcare service with de uh, digital technology transformation uh, and and overall uh, uh, well-being of the people of the masses. Brilliant. That's fantastic, gents. Thanks for your introductions there. And um, so we're going to start with some questions now. Uh, Mark, we'll we'll head over to yours. So where are there opportunities for digital transformation in the NHS right now? So Mark, what what are your thoughts behind this? So I think I think I think it'd be you know probably probably best to sort of reflect on some of the challenges that the NHS is facing at the moment. So even before the pandemic, uh, one in every sort of health health care post was vacant um, and that problem's got wor worse uh, since the pandemic a lot of people have sort of taken early retirement uh, or left the profession for whatever reason um, so facing real sort of staffing crisis um, the pandemic has, has you know uh, brought an unprecedented demand you know it's, uh, elective surgery um, hasn't been uh, it's been put on hold uh, for the vast majority of the, the last two years um, so we've got an unprecedented demand and at the same time we've got um, some of the f uh, biggest financial challenges uh, facing us so there's a real opportunity there for where um, data and uh, data and digital uh, can support uh, the, the the front line um, you know just to just to call out a few so um, you know uh, the um, there's, there's there's a concept that's that's been recently um, mentioned around data burden um, so because the because the country and the and the world, to be fair, became so such um, um, reliant on data to monitor uh, COVID nineteen, that, that that's brilliant. But it comes with like a hidden consequence in a way that that data needs to come from somewhere. And often it came from sort of NHS organisations having to provide, having to either record new data that it's never been recorded before, um, or you know, um, aggregating, collating data, and submitting it to partners. So, so that that that's that's almost sort of like say become a an, an additional burden to our front line. Yet, you know, in terms of the opportunities, there's thing there's something called uh, robotic process automation, uh, where it can basically mimic anything that a human can do with a with a PC. Um, so that that's a, a great opportunity in itself. That you know, the NHS should further ex terms of you know unprecedented demand um there's there's a whole a whole new profession called data science um where you can rather than just sort of reporting on what happened yesterday you can use the data to potentially what what will predict what will happen tomorrow what will happen next week and again that helps the nhs sort of plan and prepare um for those uh, situations rather than necessarily sort of reacting uh, so they're, they're just a couple of um uh, of of different innovations uh, to, to start the conversation with. Um, I'm sure the guys on the call will have some others uh, that they want to mention. Absolutely. I'll come to you, Kush, for that, if you don't mind adding. Yes, absolutely. I, mean, I think there are some great points in that, um, what Mark has described as the opportunities, and I completely agree with him. I mean, definitely, uh, first and foremost, that comes to my mind is the uh, is the need for the data science and analytics. If I can just like bring it all in under one, uh, umbrella term as data science. So yes, I mean, we need to understand whatever performance has been pre-COVID. Uh, we have to then understand how the services and the pressure on them have changed in the COVID 
uh, period and then how the services have emerged uh, coming into the post covid work so uh, of the post covid world so understanding from all of that how the processes processes have changed and uh, how the demand has modified itself in its natural course or we should say probably just like a bit of a synthetic natural course then we we can understand um, you know uh, and and data pro, uh, provides a very good understanding from the numerical perspective from from actual numbers that okay these are the actual numbers we are dealing with and these are and if we understand the uh, the processes better if we can do the process modeling uh, based on the data uh, demand exactly as mark uh, has described we can understand where are exactly the gaps and how we can work towards filling them uh, so yeah definitely these are some of the things and when I'm talking about uh, data science in particular, I think we also have to look at consolidation. Uh, and again, I'm using a broad term to say consolidation, uh, but I also want to include wastage or, or reducing wastage in that. So we have to understand that when we are working at different trusts or you know, like with NHS, with different uh, pub, uh, primary care uh, units, we have to understand that we have to have a really good understanding of what are the different uh, stakeholders and when I'm saying stakeholders, it's all the systems, uh, people, processes that we are dealing with. So we have to ensure that we are reducing uh, duplication. We are reducing wastage on that. Uh, not it, it, We don't have to just like reinvent the wheel again and again. We have to see that if there are, for instance, I mean, I have seen that many times in the different organizations that I have worked with that there are oftentimes uh, multiple systems that doing similar things. So can we not ask for uh, you know a bit of consolidation in those aspects? So it's just about understanding how the processes are moving, how people are reacting to it, what data is suggesting us, and then taking a very measured call on how we can bring about a consolidation and reducing wastages. So that that's something that I would want to add on those opportunities. Thank Excellent, thanks, Kush. Um, Andrew, I'll come to you now. What what are your thoughts on Mark's question? Yeah, I mean, unsurprisingly, uh, my thoughts were around the same sort of uh, topic in terms of data utilization and advances in analytics. I think if you look at truly transformational things that we can do that are within our gift, um, we're, we're collecting a lot of data with more systems going digital every day within the NHS. We're building up that bigger picture of patient journeys and you'd hope with the advent of the ICSs that we would see some of that data spilling out into like the social care side of things and we're see, seeing that overall bigger picture. I think for me, the biggest transformational point we can make is to start using analytics, start using the data we're collecting to, to help with the healthcare. I think sometimes we're, we're bogged down in the NHS with using it, a bit like I said, into terms of reports and things that are going back to centralised bodies. And, um, you know, from, from a corporate, more of a corporate focus, I would say, in, in terms of running your hospital, which is obviously really important. But I think if you look at the stuff that we can do, we've got some super talented people in the NHS who are probably not realising the full potential. We could use some of this data, some of the things that we're, we're collecting, some of the things that we can process and do with that data um, to, to the greater good of, of patients. I, I know there's, there's already been some kind of trials of, things like AI within radiography for, for looking at scans. And I think there's a, there's a big scope there for the ability to, to look at big, big, huge amounts of data quickly and, and analyze that and start pointing people in the right direction. Obviously we need the expertise of, of doctors and clinicians and 
the rest of the healthcare unit to to steer that. But I think it's probably a big underused area in terms of of data. I mean, there's some trust doing, you know, Mark's trust, for example, doing fantastic things with analytics. And I think the more we can see of that in the in the open sphere, that the better will be, because I think these systems need to interrupt with each other and share that data across, so we can build those bigger pictures and we can start doing a lot of preemptive things with with people's health really and spot trends that are going to be damaging to to areas so yeah i think i think there's there's a lot of technology out there's a lot of things in the digital world but if you look at what's probably closest within our gift and the things that we could we could really turn on i think um using data and analytics in a more open way and a more productive way would be one of them that's fab thank you andrew uh adnain what are you wanting to add to this point yeah, I think I would agree with all what was just said just now. I think no one would, would disagree that data is, is really critical to, to the efficiency and also operational run of, of most of the organizations today and essentially for NHS, which is critical to the health of the whole nation. Uh, I, I would probably concur on, on, on this and I would add probably digital transformation. I think there are probably three layers that kind of pops in my head around where I think there are opportunities. So the first one that was just mentioned, data and automation in general. And in this theme, we've got probably multiple layers from the top end where we'd hope that everything will be data. Uh, and, and in that sort of future where everything is data, we would start first by sweet spots, easy things to do. So first is let's move every paper-based process into uh, a digital-based process interface and where the data is captured. So a lot of cases today in NHS, you go to hospitals, they're still using papers. So how we make sure that they're using digital interfaces to capture the data to help and assist them to capture the right data uh, and, and and then have probably real-time systems that assess people on, on the field to, to, to kind of do their job. So that, uh, that's for me is, is a sweet spot, is moving everything from paper to, to, to digital. And also the big spectrum is expanding the data collection as a whole in NHS and the health family, which is, that, that was my, my question around OT. So we've got some old systems and, and, and legacy systems that are not data enabled. And to extract the data from those systems becomes a burden and there is a lag, a, a lag and, and, and a gap to kind of time-wise to kind of extract the data. And, and I just to look how to kind of move to, into a world where everything is connected from the supply chain, from the ops, from the different parts of, of, of this, from the science, from the comms and so on, and get everything around data and then start reaping the benefits of that data word through, as as mentioned, uh, machine learning, automation, and so on. So that's that's one angle. The other angle is is science broadly. And for me, science is because this is a medical field. How can we shortcut the, the the time to market? Let's call it time to market between an innovation that comes into the field and then make it efficient and available to everyone in the country. How we can kind of use technology to do that? And I think there there are opportunities to to, to achieve that and to use technology to to to. to deliver that value to the end users, to everybody in, in, in the country. And probably the last one is the strategy. And I, th I think strategy is a broader, a broader term. I, I call it strategy, but it's essentially how we kind of bring flexibility to, to, to the organization, to NHS, with all the kind of federated model of NHS with devolved nations, with 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 kind of north, south and so on, and, and also sister families, DHSC, UKHSA and so on, how we kind of look into that holistically and look for opportunities for consolidation, reuse, opportunities for probably providing more flexibility in terms of capabilities that can probably be more, more efficient and also support the two pillars that I just mentioned, data automation and, and science. 
Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Mark. Hopefully that uh, answers your question. Have you got any anything to add or anyone else want to add to what's been mentioned? Okay. No, Bab. Right, we'll move on now. So Kush, you're next. If you don't mind talking us through your question, how do you foresee digital transformation in healthcare evolving in the near future? Seems fitting that we've just mentioned that the question previous, uh, but it would be really good to hear your thoughts behind this as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, thanks, Joe. So I think um, quite a lot of uh, the points uh, have already been covered in terms of opportunities, but if we just try and uh, look a little bit more uh, uh, you know in the in the future that these are the opportunities how we can just like see uh, the overall field of digital healthcare for NHS uh, evolving in uh, you know in, in future I think um, I think everybody has spoken about the data analytics and um, and and I can't agree more on that that yes it is it is really really important. But at the same time, it is also really important to understand that um, the analytics that we are doing, uh, we have a bit, we, we do that with uh, a bit of a sensible hat on. That you know, we, we just don't go too, um, too, uh, you know, like too early, too much, too soon, uh, you know, into that. So we just always, it's, it's always um, good to work with all the different stakeholders because it's not just the drive you know uh, you know because that this happens sometimes uh, NHS that sometimes uh, you know like a uh, really tech savvy uh, data analytics team uh, you know who has started working on and then uh, the clinical leads uh, they are not often just like you know considered uh, you know from their perspective and then uh, the organization can start uh, taking too uh, you know too many decisions too quickly just from the from what the analytics is saying. So one thing that I've learned quite early in my career working with um, uh, with Salford Royal Foundation Trust, if I can just quickly name drop them, <laughs> is that data is good. Um, and uh, when I mean most of the organizations in NHS, we understand data from the performance dashboards that we have seen. Um, and it is a good measure, but it's also a measure that is running in the past because performance dashboards basically tell us what has happened. Uh, they often at times do not tell us what is going to happen. So I think the model of analytics and AI need to be combined in such a manner that it tells us that where are the service pain points and if those pain points are resolved, the situation can look this much better or this much worse if not uh, uh, if, if not resolved. So that is definitely uh, one of the points. But if I'll talk about the other aspect of the uh, of where I see the services can evolve and also just bring a much bring much more clarity uh, from patients' perspective, also from the caregivers' perspective, is um, again as I've mentioned, uh, consolidation of services. So earlier uh, my point was about consolidation of system, but this is about the consolidation of services. So. For instance, right now I'm working with Northwestern ICS. So we have four major acute trusts uh, working with us. And what we have learned is that whenever we have a question from the ICS perspective, that basically uh, we need a response from all the different trusts. All the trusts have given us completely different uh, responses to those answers. Even when we have asked for the data that is coming from exactly the same system, it's capturing exactly the same information. And we have asked the trust, can you provide us that data? All the trusts have always given us data that is capturing different data fields. So if and, and right now what we are working, uh, you know, what we have started working with them on is how we can first consolidate in terms of like we can can we define that 
no, we only need information about these particular uh, data fields. What is the data directly tells you? Like, what is the definition of all of these data fields? So it's, it's just, just about looking at that particular work that everybody is, is you know, as uh, uh, one of the managers uh, says quite a lot. So everybody is singing from the same hymn sheet. So it's, it's just everybody has exactly the same understanding of what it is. Of course, we can't ignore the uh, the uh, the variance uh, of care that is provided by the different trusts. We have to definitely be aware of that, but we have we have to try and see uh, how more we can consolidate these services, how much we can, uh, you know, like bring a sense of similarity across different organizations so that everybody has exactly the same parameters that they are talking about. Yeah. That's fantastic. Thanks, Kosh. Um, Mark and Andrew probably understand that um, in ICS, ICB situation. So, Mark, I'll, I'll come to you. What, what's your response to what Kush has mentioned? So, so yeah, whether we're in a, in, in a better place because there is a, the relationships, you know, um, have, have never been sort of better in Greater Manchester. At one time, you know, I saw the so the the Greater Manchester Central team is a bit of a threat to what we do. You know what you know. What do you mean? They're producing dashboards with our data. Um, you know why would anyone want to do that when why are they not using our data and and our dashboard? Sorry. Um, whereas now the demand on the on the on all the sort of the data and digital teams has never been never been greater. Um, and um, and and so it, it sort of forced us to um, to to develop better relationships across the system, but to work collaboratively with, with each other. And now we're in a position where, you know, one example is so we've just introduced sort of virtual wards, so patients can can uh, be cared for in their own home um, or or in in, in their care home. Uh, but there's oversight of that. There's sort 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 of uh, clinicians uh, that will dial in that will, will will monitor remote diagnostics um, um, remotely and they're still able to sort of provide a level of care to, to these patients and, and at one point in time we'd all you know seven eight providers in greater manchester would all create their own virtual ward dashboards when actually what we're deciding to do now is is uh, flow the data to greater manchester and they'll then pass it on to the national team to fulfill their sort of uh, reporting needs but we'll also we'll develop a, a Greater Manchester virtual dashboard, but we'll only do it once rather than us all uh, replicating the, the, the same uh, piece of work. We'll all we'll all be using the same, you know, the same data set. We'll all be looking at the same information. So I think for me, it shows um, how times have moved on. It's probably helped by with the formation of the ICS. So years ago, you know, with uh, payment by results, uh, hospitals, hospital income, would be based on how many patients uh, you would see or treat. Um, whereas now that financial sort of motivation has, has changed where you've given a set budget to work with um, and then you have to you have to use that set budget to 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 look after your local population. So again, I think that finance the, the change in the finances has also uh, supported collaboration across the system uh, and 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 the, you know the Greater Manchester team, the other, the other providers that we, we may have previously seen as a sort of a threat or, or a competitor, you know, I'd now call sort of friends, uh, not just colleagues. Uh, we work that closely together. So, so yeah, no, I, I think it's, I think the formation of that ICS um, and uh, in collaborating is definitely the way forward. Excellent. And Andrew, do you mind adding to that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's right what Mark's saying, you know, 
bringing these organisations together. I think one of the other aspects um, of, of say, competition, as, as, we, as we put it before, was you had uh, members of staff where you would have, you know, really talented individuals that were sort of being pinched from one organisation to the other organisation. And I don't think it benefited the, the individual or the organisation, you know, at that level. So I think what working at that expanse of, a Greater Manchester region gives you is that ability to keep talented people within the organisation or bring talented people into the organisation, solving more problems at once. And I think th that's got to be the end goal of, of us as a as a NHS as a as a healthcare provider to to make sure that we're we're pooling our resources and and we're not duplicating duplicating things because there is a lot of returns to do and there is a lot of things we need to do and. You know, I think one of the things when I looked at the question in terms of like evolution of, of services, we were opening the floodgates now. I mean, going back 10, 15 years when I started in the NHS, you know, like people wouldn't, very few people had a home PC, you know, like, but now everyone's got, everyone's online, everyone's got internet of things, they've got watches, they've got whatever they've got that are taking data. We're going to start looking at the virtual wards, which is going to require things going out there, bringing back data. So it's going to need a collaborative approach. We've got a growing digital uh, citizenship that is is going to put be putting a demand back on us, saying, "Well, you know, X system for me insurance can track my car going along the street, but you can't uh, track my blood pressure." You know, like so. I think we need to evolve as a service. That's actually the digital needs of the of the uh, like I said, the citizenship has actually gone probably past us now, and we're actually now on catch up trying to trying to get. Uh, everything in a row and I think another key point of that will be in terms of the suppliers we use in terms of the technologies we use making sure that we're leveraging that economy of scale to say actually you're going to have to make these interoperable you're going to talk I'm going to start talking in common languages in common ways of storing data and common ways of uh, you know transmitting it so that we, we can keep pace um, I think that'll be vital for us to be successful because what, what we don't want to do is spend half our time resources turning the, the information into something. Um, we, we need it to be there and useful and uh, everyone can get a bit of it. So I, th I think, yeah, in terms of, of evolution, I think it's, it's absolutely key, like people have said, that, that we're working at scale now and we, we, we come out of our silos that uh, that we've previously probably worked in and, and we start working at that larger scale. Thank you so much, Andrew. Uh, Adnane? Are you able to add to, to what's been said or have you got anything more? Sure, sure. I think I would agree with most of what was said. Uh, I think the, I would say the, the evolution of, of digital transformation in healthcare, I would say probably more uh, digitalization in a sense, moving from, as I mentioned earlier, from paperwork to probably digital data. If we are to succeed, we need to, to get more insight. If we need if, to get more insight, we need to get more data. And to get more data, we need to get data from the source of where the data is being created. And that happens in the field, on the ground, uh, whether it's in the supply or in hospitals or in, in different uh, areas. So, um, so we need to, to be able to, to have uh, technologies that supports the data collection and capture on, on those areas and that supports that in an efficient way to, to support that sort of uh, decision making and and, 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 and you know in, information management uh, on, on those specific areas. I, I do believe that for, in the near future that's probably one of the booming areas is the, the data collection aspect of digital transformation where probably there are a lot of sweet spots and, and opportunities. 
Um, beyond that, I do think that probably some cost reduction, as and, and this will also depend on on, on the, the trend on governments, because some governments will have more, will be more generous with, with the NHS and, and the health family. Others will be slightly less, in which case you'll have less budget in a sense, you'll be more restricted about what you can and you cannot do. Uh, and in which case, uh, I, I would assume that there will be some uh, digital transformation around cost reduction, consolidation of the estate from a technology perspective, whether it's application data or infrastructure and so on. So these are, are, are the key themes that I think will be, uh, I would say, the key focus for the NHS family. Excellent. Thank you so much. Um, we will head over to the next question. So I've got Andrews here. Uh, how do we pace digital transformation in a way that avoids attrition in digital engagement in non-digital staff within healthcare? Bit of a mouthful there, Andrew. <laughs> so, it's so easier to type than it is to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you put that one on me, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> so are you able to uh, give us your thoughts on it and then we'll kind of delve in um, throughout the panel as well? Yeah, so I think where, where this comes from is, is back to the point i was making in the in the previous question i think we've got a big task ahead of us to revolutionize in terms of digital uh, sense to to keep up with the pace of what people expect from the healthcare providers um and that inevitably means either the consolidation of systems that's been talked about or new systems coming in and i think we've still got a staff that um probably half and half now is is still not necessarily digitally uh, of, of a digital age, should we say, um, where things are instantly, you know, intuitive and, and pick up. And I think it's hard to pace sometimes when you need to get new initiatives out, when you need to bring new systems in. How how many systems can you bring in within a certain period of time without overloading? Because at, at the end of the day, we have to be mindful that the clinical staff, the non-digital staff within our organisations, they're there to care for patients, they're there to do the best job that they can do in, in the realm. They don't need us putting extra burden on them to satisfy something else somewhere in, in the organisation. So it's it's how do we pace that? And I think from my perspective, the, the way I've looked at it, and I've looked at successful systems and unsuccessful system rollouts um, or new initiatives, it's always been around the intuitiveness of the system. How, uh, how easy is it to pick up? And, and I think it, we should be making sure that by design, anything that we're getting in, anything we design ourselves, um is really easy to pick really intuitive we sh you shouldn't need to train people massively on new systems if you do i always think we've we've missed a trick there and we've probably made it too hard if you look at any uh, you know big tech firm they don't release things that are hard to pick up you know i, I mean i've got a three-year-old who can operate an ipad because the the system is set up in a way it's dead easy to pick up um, and I think we need to be doing that from a health perspective, not just necessarily thinking about what we're getting out of it from what we need out of the systems of the analytical back end or whatever it is. I think we need to be focusing on making the the healthcare providers, the people who, who were, were supporting and were enabling, we need to make those lives easier. So we need to be making systems that reduce the digital burden on them. So it's, it's, it's just around how we how you pace and you know if anyone's getting good experiences of of pacing things well or where things haven't gone so well where you've you might be overloaded the, the people with new things and i think it's it's really important especially in modern day times i think you know mark touched on it at the beginning about the number of healthcare professionals we're kind of losing uh and and vacant posts so we've got we've got a stress system so from a digital point of view we need to be really careful we're not 
adding to that stress. Excellent. Yeah, really good points there. And I'd like to come to you now, Kush, to get your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, um, thanks, Andrew. That's that's a really good question, actually. Um, and um, I, I completely agree with your suggestion that uh, an intuitive design of uh, the systems and services that definitely make the job much more easier. I think um, learning from that and, um, you know, I, I think the next step could also be about uh, providing the training, um, you know, and uh, making the training modules so that um, any user can come back to uh, those training modules as many times as they want whenever they have issues. Also, when they are on any particular digital system or service, uh, they can also have a FAQ or a help button from where they can basically get an understanding of uh, how the system is designed. If they, uh, for instance, if the system is designed in, uh, in, in a flowchart manner that, for instance, if they click here, then this will happen. Um, for instance, uh, some of the trusts um, uh, and also the eight uh, geographical areas like uh, you know that come under ICSs, they started rolling out systems for uh, digital or electronic referrals of the patients for radiology or pathology scans. So basically, when a GP is uh, raising a request, then you know under what circumstances or under what kind of um, clinical uh, decision making or 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 uh, uh, what's it like the vetting whether that particular referral will be accepted or not accepted. Uh, so if that is inherently clear to the requester at the time of making that request, uh, having full understanding of how the system is designed uh, and they have been provided proper understanding, I think it will reduce a lot of um, you know, back and forth between uh, the requester and the uh, receiving site. So, and that is definitely one of those aspects but again i think uh, most of that flows from uh, how intuitively the uh, system is designed as as andrew mentioned earlier so yes uh, that, that that's my uh, thought on that lovely thank you kosh uh adnane yes uh, i think this is a very good question as mentioned also by uh kosh so uh, the, the the element of i think some of the definitions of digital transformation you cannot talk about digital transformation if you don't have the people and process side if it's just technology then it's probably not a digital transformation so that yeah. People side is, is really critical, and in which case uh, you talk about people that are non-digital native, not not really aware of technology. So bringing them on board on that journey is not an easy uh, task. So uh, I, I think the the probably the, the, we've been looking into this as an organisation, as you can just say, because we've got a few programs that we wanted to, de to deliver, and we've been looking at how much we can scale up our capacity internally to to support those changes, and, and essentially you would look at how much external support you'd want to have client side means within the hat of UKHSA or NHS that can operate on our side, probably can be probably on the ground, hitting the ground running probably in a few days with the knowledge of what we have and support us in that in that journey. It is the question that could get, I mean, at least in our side, on our, on our kind of a problem, have, have helped us kind of reduce the problem from broadly, how much we can support to, uh, how, how much kind of transformation we can do to how much kind of uh, extended support do we need to be able to expand the capacity while maintaining quality of what we're trying to achieve. So we looked at probably expanding the resources internally about 50%, but not, we, we couldn't, we, I mean, we're thinking about if, if we bring in, if we've got, for example, resources on the technology side or on the business side that we've got probably a transformation involving probably 200 people, you bring in 500 people external, you'd have more external knowledge than internal knowledge and in which case the transformation might deviate from 
the initial intent. Whereas if you're expanding, uh, you'd need to expand probably less than that sort of external capacity to make sure that it's driven internally and not by the external kind of resources you're bringing to help. Uh, and, and that was kind of a factor that we've we, we, we thought we thought about. Um, I think the uh, this would also mean that as much as we want from a digital transformation perspective, we we cannot do everything because our internal resources are limited on the business side and on the technology side. And if at all we want to do anything, we might probably, I mean, we, we, we the only option is to kind of go through through suppliers and partners. So we define probably also a resourcing model, supplier model, where we bring in probably framework of agreement to the set defined number of suppliers that can expand our capacity in and out as much as we need uh, to support us. And, and 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 that's that's something also that we've been looking into. So I, th I think to address this is I, I do think it's it's lo looking at. Uh, you know, expanding while not losing the internal knowledge is, is for me is a key driver. Uh, but at the same time as expanding while looking at probably frameworks that could make it easier to source the supports and expand uh, in and out uh, in in a more agile way. Uh, so that's that's these are the models that we, we've been looking into. They're not easy. Uh, I've, I've, I've been able to see, like in me, a few successful ones, very few, uh, but also I've, I've seen challenging contexts as well. It was very difficult to expand in and out, so that wasn't really, really uh, efficient. Uh, so to close this, I, I think uh, the, the success of digital transformation without expanding the internal capacity is very much likely to fail because internal resources will have their BAU processes, their day-to-day -day job, and as much as they want, they will have limited capacity. Uh, and if we expand with intent, with permanent staff in the long run, because transformation is transient, you'd create probably redundancy, which is a problem as well. So you need to expand on transient contingent labor uh, and do it smartly. Uh, so that's that's probably the answer to this. Hope that's, that's clear. <laughs> oh, excellent. Thank Thanks, Adnan. Uh, just before I come to you, Mark, to get your perspective, Kush, you've got your hand up. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, yes, I think uh, my question was on one of the points that uh, Adnain raised. It's about uh, the non-digital uh, savvy stakeholders. So I remember, um, and I'm not going to specify who, but I went to one of the trusts for, uh, you know, just like getting them on board, uh, get, getting like a particular staff, uh, sorry, a board, uh, you know, like uh, main nurses on board on one of the systems. And while I was working on that, I basically uh, told one of the, um, you know, like uh, senior nurses there that uh, the scroll that you have on the mouse, that wheel, if you'll just like play with that, you can go up and down on the page. And she was just like, oh, you have just like made my job so much more easier. And I was like, OK, and that was like one of the, uh, how do I say that? Like one of the biggest example of non-digital uh, savvy stakeholder or one of those and you know they they are the head nurses so my, my question is that because you are working on a on, on a really wide uh you know like uh, uh what's your like a uh, mode of understanding this process or problem um you know what are some of your thoughts on how we can bring um those kind of stakeholders on board uh because i think the future is going to be more and more digital and it will make uh you know like the lives of those digital uh, those non that um that 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 much digital uh, tech savvy you know um, mm -hmm. the stakeholders are a little bit more difficult so how do we how do we bridge that gap and that, that's that's an excellent question I, I think andrew wants to step in but the, the i i do think that this is uh the core of a change management as as a function which is 
to bring people from a position where they're probably protective with regards to a change driven by technology to a position where they adopt and accept the change. But it's very difficult because change and, and technology is moving in a very fast pace. As much as you want to bring the head nurse to learn the new system A, you know that an upgrade is coming probably in 18 months. She needs to learn it again and probably learn new kind of behaviors and new functions and processes. And, and I, I do believe that the world we're living in is, is, is going to be like that. There will be constant change because we need to be more agile to adapt to more changes coming in. And, and that will demand more change, kind of averse and sorry, change. Yeah, like people that would be more change adopting or adopting change rather than change resistant. Um, I think it's not easily achievable, honestly, because from the experience, what I've seen, sometimes you end up, we, we got uh, in UKHS, we've got a few labs. The biggest known one, I think, is RFL, uh, Rosalind Franklin Lab uh, near Limington Spa. And you got sometimes people from that sort of scientific medical kind of uh, sphere that could be very change resistant because they've been using the system for, for 10 years and, and bringing something new would, would, would probably disrupt the way they, they do their job and they feel that that's not the right way. So I, I think the, the way to kind of achieve this is onboarding the people, explaining to them that the driver for this is probably a more efficient process, a more efficient outcome that they will be the first to benefit from. They should really feel the benefit of this to, to get them to be motivated to, to engage and onboard in that journey and also make them feel part of that journey and not feel like they're submitted submitted to the change, like the, 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 someone somewhere decided to make this change and they just have to, to live with it, which is maybe the, the worst case scenario for, for, for them. So I think they need to feel like they're, they're engaged, they're consulted and they're informed and they keep kind of uh, being aware of what's what's coming. I, I think that, that's that's what I've seen so far. I've seen a few cases of success, but I've seen, I've seen also cases of a very strong change resistance. So I think there, there is a lot to, to be done in that, that sphere. Thank you. Absolutely, no problem. Um, Andrew, what uh, what would you like to add? I'll, I'll make it quick. So I think <laughs> um, Adnan is right. I think the from my from my experience of of changing within organisations, the, the more the people who, you, who you're making the change for, the more they are involved. The more they are involved earlier as well. The the more success you have from that change because in inevitably what you want is them to be the change you you want you to be the enabler they drive the change because if it's driven at the level at the healthcare level you, you have a much better success rate than than you trying to um trying to push something like say on them i think the other thing I would note is that I think there's a tendency sometimes to to sort of go after sort of difficult people sometimes where you think, well, that person won't like it, so we'll try and crack crack that nut type thing. And I don't always think that approach works. I think sometimes it's a it's better to get more people on board. And if if you know if there's nine out of ten people on board and you've only got one naysayer, they'll they'll eventually have to get on board with what what you're doing. So I think it's it's not necessarily spending all your energy on trying to change one person's mind or two people's mind. It's it's, it's making sure that the, the vast majority of the people are on board with what you're doing and let them drive it. Let them be the be the change. Amazing, um, Mark. It's been a while. <laughs> Can you um, put your final thoughts on that one? Is there anything to add? Yeah, no, you pretty much said it. So just building on Andrew's uh, last point, for, for me, it's about um, these projects, particularly ones of significant size, they need to be clinically led, uh, but sort of digitally supported. They need to sort of lead the change. But 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 equally, they need to, you know, you know putting in a new EPR system, uh, 
for example, is, is a significant uh, transformational change where the technology might only be 10 percent. You know, the biggest the biggest factors are around process, the human behaviors, etc. So they need to be sort of organizationally sort of led, supported uh, programs of change rather than just being seen as a, sort of an IMT project. Um, I, 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 you know, as soon as I saw Andrew's question I, I, and, and he sort of explained it, I instantly sort of felt for staff, you know, staff on the front line. There used to be, you know, something called people used to say our oh, winter's coming um, and that the NHS would um, be under greater pressure at the winter than it was in the summer. In the summer, you know, the, the frontline staff got a bit of respite uh, uh, and got to relax a bit more. That's disappeared these days. Uh, win- winter seems to be, you know, 365 days in the NHS now, and that respite doesn't exist. Um, so it makes um, planning sort of changes around IMT even more difficult. And, and often, you know, you'll have uh, there'll be directives around uh, non-clinical activities such as meetings and, and other such like uh, get cancelled because the pressures are so great. Um, but I think the organisations just need to recognise digital is there as an enabler and we need to make sure it is prioritised. I get that, you know, the demand on the front line is challenging. Um, I get that it's going to be a disruptor. It's going to be an inconvenience. It's going to impact performance. Um, but if we never put these systems in, we'll never get the benefit that they can deliver. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Mark. Um, we How fast has this gone? This podcast has absolutely flown by. Um, we've got one last discussion point. Um, so, Adnane, I've got your question. Uh, again, another mouthful. <laughs> yeah. how, how can we ensure success of digital transformation in the healthcare sector, especially with regards to tackling the technical debt? And you've put an example here, aging OT, medical systems, uh, and you've also added, how can we leverage other experiences in this area as well? So it'd be great to hear your thoughts behind it, and then we'll r- yeah. rush around the panel. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank you. Uh, I think uh, if well, some of you might not be aware of this. UKHS have been formed as uh, a merger of PHE uh, Public Health England and uh, the Test and Trace program, NHS Test and Trace. Uh, so we're working yes jointly with with NHS. But historically, PHE was, uh, I think probably the right term would be un- underinvested in a sense. So the, the budget for technology was quite limited, has resulted in in quite a, a, a good kind of chunk of, of technical debt. And, and technical debt, by definition, is something, some technology out there that is not the right technology for us. It's it's there, it's probably working, probably not 100%, but it's kind of serving some purpose, but it's not the way we should be doing it. And, and and in a sense, it would be much harder to manage, much harder to to change, to to to, to tackle and 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 to fix and as well. So broadly, as an organisation, I built technical depth, and I'm I'm sure most organisations today would have some level. Probably the level would would change comparing kind of probably NHS might probably have slightly less than UKHSA probably. Uh, uh, and and I think the question would be how we kind of leverage the the change digital transformation. To kind of tackle that technical debt, um, and especially I've given the examples of aging medical systems, OT could be supply as well, and others, other areas, and how we kind of look at probably other probably successful stories. Uh, I'm not sure if I might not be kind of because uh, I've worked in the health sector, but not as extensively probably as as as, as my peers in in, in the panel. Uh, so how can we probably look at success stories that can really leverage to to kind of 
profit from and look look at probably lessons learned and so on that could help help us in that journey. Excellent. Andrew, I'm coming to you, if that's okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is a problem, I think. Uh, if you look at um, across the NHS and every organisation I've worked for, there's been an element of that where systems that have been brought in where the you know the the political landscape has changed for what we need to do or or the health landscape has changed what we need to do and you know certain systems have become i think without going into the procurement side of that contract management and all those things because i think that's really important when we when, when we're looking at this i think i do think the ics model working at more regional levels will help with that because I think you, you've not then got that that siloed approach where everyone's doing something slightly differently and then when something new comes in from a, a directive from you know NHS England level or or above it will filter down better through a regional approach because they'll be able to put that on mass and you've got that economy of scale so I think you know as, as succinct as can put it around the ICS model will help with that um but i do think that we need to start thinking about not necessarily limiting the 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 political influence on the nhs but like thinking about how we can manage those things better because we need to make more long-term decisions that we're investing down a route rather than sometimes uh, we seem to have gone through patches in the nhs where there's been flare-ups of uh, Emperor's New Clothes type, real fast changes, real fast requirements to do certain things in certain ways and probably not got the longevity in it. And I think probably coming back to the points we've made earlier is having clinical medical staff involved in digital strategies, involved in digital journeys at, all the way up to the top level where they're actually saying, no, this is this is, this is is what we need to be doing from a, from a medical point of view and how it's going to best um, impact healthcare and, and social care in general. So yeah, I think that they'd be my points. Excellent. Thank you. Kush? Hi. Yeah, I think this is uh, definitely one of the, how, how do I mention that? Okay. This is definitely one of the trickier challenges to resolve um, because it's it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation. So you, I mean, I think everybody, uh, whoever you can ask, they can tell you that if they have the newer infrastructure in place, newer machinery, new systems, newer systems in place, they can definitely see that there is, you know, at least in the white papers, there's definitely increase in efficiency, uh, reducing in, in inefficiency. So it's, it's just about how can you actualize those and you have to have a really good economical financial model in understanding that whether the savings that you are going to make in the next, I would say like two, three years, four years, five years, whatever uh, model you go for. Are you actually getting the efficiencies out of the system that you're putting in place that it will pay for itself in the longer run or I mean or in the short run, however you classify that one um, in terms of the uh, years to come. So I think that is definitely one of, uh, and that depends completely on the intervention that you need in which area um, and, and the uh, basic um, improvement in the uh, systems or services that you that you think that you can realize. Um, white papers are an indication from the systems, but they are often coming from vendors, so not entirely to uh, rely your uh, you know judgment on. Um, uh, so yeah, um, so that is uh, definitely one of those understandings, but also I would, I mean, learning from the recent examples that of work that we have been doing in Northwestern ICS, I think we have also seen that. Um, and again, I'm I'm talking it generally from the from from my ICS perspective that we have seen that there is a variance in the amount of 
uh, referrals or the requests uh, in general, if I can say so, uh, processed by uh, the four different trusts. So we are now looking at how we can uh, send the equal amount of uh, patients to different trusts so that the services or the systems are uh, judicial, judiciously and um, equally, uh, you know, like uh, what is it like? Uh, uh, responsible for um, you know for um, basically looking at patients and their results. So it, it's just like um, equitable uh, distribution of the requests that are coming in. But at the same time, understanding that the new systems that you are bringing in, what are the some of the avenues of um, getting the financial um, yeah the financial benefits that you are uh, understanding from it. So one of the examples is the newer model that is coming in place for the community diagnostic hub. So if uh, uh, the diagnosis is moved uh, from the primary care centers to the diagnostic hub for uh, multiple uh, localities, how would that benefit? Because uh, we are going to be implementing newer, better technology. Um, it also needs to be, uh, in, I mean, we also need to incorporate that the information that is coming is uh, very much linear. We can reduce, um, you know, the uh, the problem areas in terms of back and forth. We, uh, we can consolidate the efforts that the requests that are coming to us from various different sources. They are exactly in the same format. There is no distribution. The processes that are being followed by the diagnostics hubs is similar. So it's just, you know, like, tweaking small different things and just like making them uh, making them similar so that the overall end result that you have is much more linearized and you can understand and you, you, you're just reducing uh, the amount of ambiguity and also the variance from various different places it's coming from. I'm not sure if I'm, uh, you know, what I'm saying is, is you know, uh, completely understandable to everyone, but this is something that we are working on. I still don't have a very solid answer that yes, this is the way to go forward. But some of the work that I have done in the past, I mean, I think I these are the bits that I can think of that yeah, they can take you in in the right direction. Great, thanks, Kush, and we'll get final thoughts from Mark here. Yes, so it's so it's not a, a, a sword and bullet by any means, but um, I do think we need to as an, the NHS does need to start looking at the cloud. Uh, more seriously, you know, it's part of the national strategy uh, to be cloud first. Um, uh, and, and like I say, it's, it's going to take time. So we're, we're just in the process of moving our, our data warehouse to the cloud uh, to a product called, um, well, I won't mention the product, um, but yeah, we're, we're just about moving it to the to the cloud. And it's probably going to take us uh, at least two years to, to, to do that migration. So these these uh, moving things to the cloud doesn't happen over, overnight um, or in a big bang, uh, but we do need to start looking at it. But some some benefits of that, not only does it mean that in the future you won't have to maintain your own, your own infrastructure and have that sort of additional headache, that time can be re re, you know, reinvested in um, working on things more meaningful, whether it may be around um, some of the technologies we've already mentioned, IoT, et cetera to get involved in some of those projects rather than having to sort of maintain and look after our own servers. Um, but some of the other benefits we've seen, so it used to take us about three to four hours each night just to update our waiting list information. And when we moved it to the cloud, it was able to do the same task in six minutes. And that shows the power that the cloud can bring 
as opposed to have you know trying to run processes on your own server you know you know some of the global players uh, in the cloud uh, in the cloud world the level of resource um, that they have the amount of sophistication around security they have is 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 not comparable to the NHS um, so yeah it just doesn't make sense for us to uh, maintain our own sort of uh, separate industries and the other benefit apart from the, the actual power of the cloud the ability to turn turn it off when you're not using it so that you know that that particular system the data warehouse only really needs to run a couple of hours per day and then when you, you know so what's the point in having a server that that's whirling away costing electricity causing damage to the environment when it's not actually needed um, and then the other benefit is around sharing having your data in the cloud makes it far easier to share it share data with your partners which again is crucial to the whole uh, ICS and a new way of working um, so yeah for, for me uh, the cloud is a massive opportunity that we uh, that we could and, and should be exploiting more. Excellent. Thanks, Mark. And Andrew, hands up for you. What would you like to add? Yeah, I mean, just to agree with Mark's point, that I think the NHS has in the past has been a bit cloud averse um, for one or more probably RG reasons is, is probably the one that gets chucked about the most, but it's workable around. I think we're probably not... Uh, we're just not exploiting that benefit and 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 that um, ability, like like Mark said, of, of expanding at scale. And you're taking you are taking away, but it is it is a it's a very different way of of working. And I think I mean that's what transformation is, isn't it? It's, it's not just making something better. It's it's revolutionising. It's it's doing something in a in a different way to to benefit and. You know, picking up on Kushi's point around cost benefit, we probably have to think about these costing models a lot differently now because in, in previous years gone by, um, IMT would have always been funded through capital um, in terms of your pots of money to buy something and then five years later you buy something new and five years later, you know, we, we know that pretty much everything now is a subscription model. It's, it's a revenue-based uh, approach to to getting money as um, as companies worked out that that was a better way to get their cash flow. So I think there's that point that definitely I think there's there's massive opportunities for us to use the cloud and exploit that to to better our systems, better our services. And I think my kind of my last point on it would be we've seen through through COVID, you, we can do this at large scale quite quickly. You know when when the backs was against the wall with the NHS at COVID. A lot of digital initiatives, a lot of things, they happened. You know, I, I remember trying years and years ago um, to get uh, video conferencing off the ground in, in an organisation. You could not get people to turn cameras on. You could not get people to use it. They'd go to, you know, you'd have meetings, they'd be driving all over the place and, and things like that. Within, you know, what the space of six months, it just all changed. So the, the ability is there. It's just finding the right reason. I think, and and the benefits were, were obvious, and I think that's where it comes in. So we we can do it, even in the, the NHS, which is a huge organisation, it can change that scale quickly. It's just it just needs a, a push sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, Andrew. Um, Adnane, your question, yeah, your final just, thoughts. Yeah, just bouncing back on this, I, I think the just by the way, so I'm I'm leading from a tech perspective, also the, the cloud transformation within UK, should say. So we're looking at a full DCXZ and all the challenges that comes with that. So as I mentioned, to three years journey. So that's that's definitely something that that is going to to be very helpful, especially with the, the prices of energy going up. So, so cloud cloud providers are maintaining their pricing 
wise kind of data centers will take a hit of, as per Gartner, probably 40% hikes in, in, in the cost of energies, which is probably another argument to move to the cloud. But b- b- bouncing back on, on the question, I, th- I think the, there are elements of uh, our limited capacity, as mentioned in the question of Andrew, internally to kind of support digital transformation versus the need to kind of tackle uh, an incremental increase in technical debt uh, on the other side, but also looking at how we kind of do that in, in kind of a budget and political change in environment. So the budget some years would be better than others. So kind of looking at how we can be more agile to address those constraints in a way to drive quickly, but also with a very good cadence, the value for the organization we're looking for, the country and also, you know, the people. Uh, and I think that's that's probably something to be probably investigated further. And, and, and I think the other side of the, the question is probably looking at other parts of government, NHS as a wider kind of organization is probably might have some success stories that could be leveraged. But I, I do believe we need to look probably what, to the wide picture probably in government in the UK and why not outside to kind of see what are probably some learnings that could probably help us do this in the right way to drive value earlier. So that's that's point. Thank you. Excellent. Adnain, Mark, Kush, Andrew, thank you so much for your contribution today. It's been a fantastic conversation and I'm sure everyone listening will agree. So thank you very much.